Good evening, hello and welcome. You're listening to People Powered Radio 2XX FM 98.3. The program is Subject ACT and I'm Sophie Singh. It's wonderful to have your company. Angela Fredericks has been spearheading a national campaign to have a family from her local town of Biloela in central Queensland released from immigration detention and returned to the Biloela community who await them with open arms. The family, Priya, Nardes and their two little girls, Kopika and Tanika, are Tamils from Sri Lanka, although the girls were both born in Biloela. They're currently being held in the detention centre in Christmas Island and I spoke with Angela recently to find out how the family is coping and what's happening in their fight to stay in the country. Angela, it's lovely to talk to you again and thank you so much for coming back onto Subject ACT and speaking with us today. No, thanks for having me, Sophie. A lot has happened since we last spoke. Uh, Priya, Nardes, Kopika and Tanika have now been in the Christmas Island Detention Centre for three weeks. Yeah, so it's been a, oh gosh, an incredibly emotional three weeks. I feel like they're so far away from us now, just the lack of communication. Yeah. They're just so isolated over there, so it is, it's quite scary. So there was a further federal court hearing last week. Angela, can you tell us what was the key question that the court was considering and what was the outcome of that ruling? So last week, it was really looking at whether there's a case, so whether it could progress to a full hearing, as to whether Tarnika, the two-year-old, actually has a right to put a claim forward. So the judge ruled that there is enough evidence to take it to a full hearing. So now we're hoping that we get to the point where Tarnika can actually put a claim forward. What is the next step now in that process? Is there paperwork that makes up a formal claim for Tarnika and that's the start of that process? So not quite there yet. So the next step is a full hearing to basically hear the evidence that she's allowed to put an asylum claim forward. So we're still not even at the point yet where we can put forward what her risks are. That will only go to the department. However, the court is ruling whether she legally is allowed to actually put that case to the department forward. And that's a full federal court hearing? Yes, that's correct. And is there any idea of when that hearing is likely to take place? We have not been told. What sources have told me is that it could be two to three months. Okay. However, with our legal system, nothing's ever certain. Of course. I can't imagine how Priya and Nardes must be feeling and hopefully as a result of the federal court ruling there is now some glimmer of hope that there will be the possibility of the family staying but they must be incredibly fearful for their girls. How are they coping? Look, they're incredibly strong human beings. However, I can really hear in their voices just the exhaustion and the anxiety that's under there. So... For the first time, I'm really hearing Priya's real worry just around the children's isolation. I think when they were in Melbourne, they were still able to have some kids that they would see. Whereas now, for the first time, we're seeing Kopika becoming really distressed, so getting really angry, expressing how lonely she is. Now that she's getting that bit older as well, you know, she's a very clever girl. And she's trying to understand why they're in isolation. So just for any parent, trying to explain that to their children and at the same time trying to continue to protect them and keep them safe. So it's just such an impossible situation, but I just admire their strength so much. 
And even through all of this, when I went and visited, Kopika was still proudly showing me how she can write her name and, you know, all these things that just prayer in the des, they're not letting their situation stop their girls from thriving. Trying to maintain some sense of normality in what is clearly a completely unnormal situation. Oh, exactly, yeah. And Kopika was just three and Tanika was one when they were taken from Bilawila and then spent 18 months in detention in Melbourne and now three weeks in detention in Christmas Island. How do the girls even start to comprehend what's going on with them? How do they express what they think is happening? I will just say Kopika was two when they were taken. They've had two birthdays in essentially prison now. Look, for Tarnika, the two-year-old, unfortunately, she spent more of her life in this situation. So she really doesn't understand. However, with her, there has been massive attachment disruptions. So just the fact that she was separated from her parents and then her mum again, watching the distress. She's obviously had to have surgery, all these big life things. So I did witness firsthand on Christmas Island when Nadez went out of her sight, she just absolutely crumbled and Mm. just the distress was so apparent. For Kopika, I found it really amazing because she still talks about Billawilla. She still says, I want to go home to Billawilla. She still recognises Billawilla as home. And I think Priya has done an amazing job of sustaining Kopika very much letting her know this isn't permanent, we're not going to be here forever. But Kopika, she does. She misses her friends. That's, that's oh, what sure. she talks about the most. She just talks about, I want to play with my friends. And she's aware that next year she will be in prep. So, you know, even talking about I want to go to school. So I think we're seeing that anxiety in her starting to project into what's the future going to be because she knows she's missing out. And I think that's the real heartbreaking thing here. Angela, when you went to Christmas Island and visited the family, there's some really heart-wrenching footage of that first reunion between you and Priya and Kopika and that beautiful hug between you and Priya and Kopika clinging onto your legs. That really actually brought tears to my eyes. What was going through your mind at that point? Oh, gosh, sorry. It takes me back to hearing that because... Honestly, when I actually laid eyes on them, there was 200 metres between us and guards and fences and all the obstacles that you could think of. And for me, I just had to hold them. So they did not want to let me in. But when I finally got in, I've been saying to Priya this whole time, you know, I've got you, we've got you. And so to actually be able to hold her and she really did collapse in my arms just to actually be able to physically show her that I mean every word that I say, you yeah. know, we are here, we've got them and we're not going to let anything happen to them. It was just such an emotional journey. Just to be able to have that human contact is just exactly what it was about. And that was really clear in that footage. There was so much love and hope and fear and there was so much going on. Definitely. It must be very isolating but also quite bizarre for the family because they are the only people in detention in the Christmas Island Centre. Is that the case? Yeah, that's the case. So they're the only detainees there 
and then they've got six to eight guards with them at any time. So it's such an artificial environment and even when I was in there, like, you're constantly watched. So you are, you're on edge. I, I cannot imagine what it must be like. Like, you know, just to have your whole life being watched. And I just think, you know, for anyone who are parents as well, yeah, to be having every aspect of your life watched and recorded, it's just such a violation of privacy, particularly when you've committed no crime. Why do you think the guards feel or are instructed to maintain that intense surveillance every minute of the day? What's the motivation for that? What, What do you think? Part of me does feel that it really is another form of intimidation. You know, I truly think they're trying to make life as hard as possible for them so that essentially they give up, say, okay, we'll we'll just go back. However, I think that's what people need to understand. If you are willing to live in these conditions, to be scrutinised, to go through this real mental and emotional torture... What have they come from? The fact that they would choose that and choose that for their kids, to me, that just absolutely demonstrates the very real fears of what they're expecting when they go back. If it was easy for them to return, why would you endure, like you say, coming on to two years of detention? Oh, exactly. The government is continuing to insist that the family will stay on Christmas Island in spite of the fact that the court ruling means that it could now be some months for the processes to unfold. Why do you think the government is so intransigent in its insistence that the family stays on Christmas Island? In my opinion, this is purely about basically keeping it hidden, the cruelty of our government system. I think after that footage came out, of the actual deportation, you know, that still makes me cry every time I think of that footage of the girl screaming and watching Priya being manhandled. You know, our government doesn't want people to see that. They want people to think that deportation is this sterile, clean, depersonalised process. And so by putting them on Christmas Island, what they're ensuring is that footage doesn't get out. You know, the family has no way now of sending us pictures, of sending us pretty much anything. So it really is hiding that aspect. So do they have their phones? So they have their phones. Over there, however, there's no 4G network. So with their phones, they can only make voice calls and send short messages. The internet connections are very sporadic and weak. So even, you know, to try to do a video call is very difficult. And I think that's what kills us because we used to video call the kids all the time and just that visual, whereas now we can't do that. So it's another form of isolation for the kids. You mentioned the deportations on the 29th of August. The family were bundled up from the Melbourne Detention Centre and put onto a plane to be forcibly removed from the country. Recount for us how Priya described that experience of what happened that night. I was first alerted to it by a close friend who Priya had contacted and had done a video call with when the guards had come in and surrounded them. And uh, it chills me to the core, just the distress of my friend, who is a close friend of Priya's. I could just hear the absolute disgust 
and she just witnessed something really traumatic. And then when I actually got to phone Priya, she was in a van. She'd been separated from the rest of them and just absolute terror. You know, she'd been told they were on their way back to Sri Lanka. Oh, it chills me. I've, I've worked a lot with people in horrific circumstances and people receiving news of death, etc. And to hear Priya's voice, it honestly, it takes me to all those voices of your loved one has died and just that pure, absolute terror and heartbreak. And that's what I could hear in her voice. You know, it was even the dignity side of things. She wasn't allowed to go to the toilet. She couldn't put her kids in warm clothes. All these just basic human rights that were just taken from her. And when I saw the footage and people were telling me she's fighting, she's not getting on the plane, you know, I think for any of your listeners, anyone to think about, if you were being basically taken to something dangerous, wouldn't you fight? And I think that's exactly what we witness. Angela, you've been on a whirlwind journey advocating uh, for the family, speaking to whoever you can speak to. You were in Parliament House speaking to a range of politicians a couple of weeks ago. What have been the reactions that you've had from Australians and indeed uh, reactions from overseas uh, into what's happening? It's really disbelief from people on the street to people in positions of power and governance and media it's just absolute disbelief and a real question of what are we doing? You know, and yes, I've talked to people as well with opposing views. I talk to people, you know, who are very much on the other side of things. And I think it all comes down to the fact, you know, everybody thinks I'm just so emotionally invested and that's why I'm fighting. But it's also that there are such clear black and white facts here and just At the end of the day, how do we treat one another and how do we treat our neighbour? And I think that is what is disgusting people the most, is that we would put innocent people through just such a torturous process. And just the sheer lack of common sense, the sheer lack of decency, and just not being listened to. It's really quite funny the amount of people who are just like, why won't they listen to us? And I think that's the disbelief as well because well, we all believe our government is there to listen to us and represent us. So when they won't come and meet on, on really quite a simple issue, this is just a small family in a country town. You yeah. know, you can't get any simpler. And the fact that they won't listen to us on this, I think that scares a lot of people. It creates much wider doubts, doesn't it, about you know, how democratic our country really is? Definitely. And it's when I heard at one of our local Billa Willa events that it was a primary school student who actually spoke about, aren't we meant to be a democracy? And when you hear a child saying that, I think that just absolutely, you know, hits the nail on the head. And as you said, Angela, the way we treat any section of society reflects on the type of society we are and the type of society we want to be. Oh, exactly. And I think Australia is sending a very clear message that the way we are treating this family is not the path that we want to go down. Angela, thank you so much for speaking with us again on Subject ACT today and thank you for your tireless advocacy for Priya and Nardes and the two girls. 
Thank you for your continued support. Thank you. That was Angela Fredericks about the campaign to free Priya, Nardes and their two little girls and the terrible effect that this ordeal is having on the family. You can catch Subject AZT Tuesday night from 6.30 to 7pm on the dial at FM 98.3 or stream us live or on demand at the 2XX website. Thanks for listening. Good night and have a great rest of your week. Thank you.